Well, hey you, hello there, every person, everywhere. Why, hello there, one and all, everybody around the world. My name is Every Person Everywhere, and this is stuff that you can relate to, hopefully. So, I took a bit of a segue from my last episodes. Um, In my last episodes, I took a segue from how I typically approach doing podcasts um, because I wanted to talk about education and I wanted to talk about um, how I was able to do a lot of the things that I did. So in this episode, I'm going to do an episode based on how I budgeted my trips, how I did the things that I did, and how you can start to do some of those things too. I'm doing this episode now because it's obviously fresh on my mind. I'm sure it's fresh on your mind as you've seen that I've traveled a lot of places a lot of times. And obviously, this comes without saying that you have to figure out how to do it effectively. Now, eventually, I might even open up sort of a small business or something. I'm not sure yet on how to travel more efficiently and cheaply and to uh, connect with deals and find deals and stuff like this. So first and foremost, we have to start with the style of travel that I'm going to talk about in seasons four and five. That's right, the way that I traveled from place to place. Now, the entire time I lived overseas, I did one round trip. I landed in Norway at Oslo's International Airport one day, flew somewhere else, and came back to that airport, and then flew home from that airport. Otherwise, I have never flown to a place and from a place from the same airport as long as I traveled in Europe. Now, obviously I've done it before. When I visited my friends in Colorado and Texas, I did a round trip. When I visit my family in Florida, I do round trips. When I visit, when I visited Ireland, we flew in and out of the same airport. I think what really inspired me to do this type of traveling, where you're sort of going here, there, and everywhere, was the first trip I took to, to Europe, when I think about it. Now, we did fly in and out of Charles de Gaulle Airport in Bercy, France. But, obviously, we did not just stick to that. We, we flew from Paris to Italy, and then we got on a tour bus, and then we went one direction, and we never doubled back anywhere except to fly out of the same airport. <laughs> So that very much inspires the way that I would learn to travel. For instance, when I did Central Europe, or Central Eastern Europe, that's largely what I did, is I flew from London to Budapest, Hungary. I took a bus from Hungary to Bratislava, Slovakia. From Bratislava, Slovakia, I took another bus to get to Vienna, Austria. And from Vienna, Austria, I took yet another bus to get to Prague in the Czech Republic. And what was cool was 
around the same exact time that I was traveling that region, so were several of my friends. So I got to meet up and have Chodelnik, which is a traditional chimney cone ice cream and donut combination from Prague, and uh, Glühwein, which is spiced and hot wine, with my friend Sarah. And I got to have dinner and spend a night in the city touring Vienna, Austria with my roommate Drew. Shout out to both of you wherever you are. I know you're both doing your best lives. Um, I still keep loose tabs on all my friends, obviously, because, you know, they're, they're brothers and sisters for life, in my opinion. I think Sarah is engaged as of the recording this episode, and she's working in postpartum mental health because at least a quarter of all British women suffer some sort of uh, postpartum mental health condition, as a recent study that she saw and actually helped conduct uh, evidenced. So she's living her best life working with new moms, preparing herself to eventually be a new mom. Drew works in pediatrics, just as he always did, and that's his love, his passion. He met a girl and had to leave her to come back to Texas, but I think now he's back in England with her. So he made the move back across the pond after securing a job and a visa just to be with her. So there's nothing that love can't and won't do. I mean, Sarah ended up going to this university because she worked, I think, as a waitress or something and met her now fiancé because he was on tour with the Royal British Army and he stumbled upon her, either through dating app or just connection at the place she worked. And look at them now. Now they live together in Northern England and... You know, it's it's funny how love works and how love does that to and for people. Just as it has for me. You know, my love story almost took me to Italy, but then ended there. My love story took me to the middle of the United Kingdom for a month or two until it didn't. And now I moved in with who I am very firmly believing to be the love of my life. And I moved in with her very recently and ended up starting a life anew an hour outside of my, my, uh, my hometown. You, know, you never really consider these things, just like you never consider how big the world is in general. If you feel lost, just go somewhere. And I don't say that to be mean or rude either. Like, if you feel lost, maybe you just need to wander somewhere. Maybe you just need to drive to some random place you've never heard of. Spend a night in the woods. Spend a night in a crappy motel. Take nothing but a backpack. And that's what I did. A lot of times when I went searching for the next place that I would travel in Europe, I always had a reason in mind. There was always an iota of why I was going there. So, for instance, when I went to Denmark, obviously one of my best friends from high school was our foreign exchange student, and she's Danish, so I went to visit her. And I obviously wanted to see what life was like for her before she came to visit me. Because life was a very different pace, but actually, Denmark? Copenhagen? Copenhagen isn't near as busy a city as I thought it would be. And I guess it makes sense because you look at the population living in Copenhagen, which I believe to be under a million people, and it's basically the size of London, thereabouts, all provinces and sectors included, but 
it's less than a tenth of the population size, really. So I guess that makes sense. But life just felt slower there in general. So yeah, Heike wanted to be in, um, she wanted to be in New York or in Hollywood because she wants to this day to be a physical trainer and a film conductor and you know film her own miniseries and stuff like that. But in reality, like, she got stuck in good old West York. But because Denmark functions at a much more steady-as-she-goes pace than a lot of Europe, actually, that was my biggest takeaway from Denmark. So, of course, I've learned something every time I went somewhere. When I went somewhere, obviously I wanted to go see the city, but I didn't want to be a tourist. You will also have a cheaper experience in general. That's my first tip to you. Pay attention now. You will have a much more financially stable and cheaper experience trying to live as much like the locals as possible. Why is this? Well, tourism is a booming industry. Tourism costs money. But if you look at the day-to-day cost of living compared to what you'd be spending doing the same things as a tourist, it's so much cheaper. So much cheaper. For instance, if I would have gone on a trip, and I did do it once. I did do the touristy thing once in Morocco. But also Morocco isn't the safest place otherwise, unfortunately, which I'll get into later. So I did a touristy thing there. Yeah, sure. But... In that touristy trip, we got to sleep in tents like Berbers. And I learned so much more about the world and how Northern Africa functions because I did that instead of staying in a Riyadh or a hotel the entire time. Getting to eat the food that they prepared. Now, obviously I had to pick out lots of chicken and stuff and I'm sure I still consumed some animal product by accident, whatever. It's unavoidable when you have, you know, impoverished countries. It's a very meat-laden diet because it's not not easy, but it's easier to produce than mass-producing a lot of vegetables to get your protein and uh, your fiber and your iron and stuff. So you learn a lot about the world being a tourist that is living like a not-tourist. I went to a hostel for most of my travels, and if I wasn't at a hostel, I was at an Airbnb. Never a hotel. Why? Well, not only is it cheaper, but when you go there, nine times out of ten, you're going to be with somebody who either has always lived there or has moved there for some reason. And you get to learn about their reason for living there, their reason for moving there. You get to learn about what they do day to day living there. Couch surfing is the ultimate cheap and cheat meal. For instance, I paid for admission to a techno festival outdoors in Lithuania. And in exchange, he fed me dinner and let me do laundry and sleep on a futon in his room. Now, he's still a dear friend to this day. We don't keep in touch as much as we should, but he's also a practicing medical physician. And he did his, um, what is it called? Not Juventus here. He did, he did one of his Fulbright ears. That's what it was. He did his Fulbright ear in Lithuania. So he was living as a German being a local Lithuanian and learning the language because a lot of his lectures were not in English. They were in Lithuanian. So he had to learn another language yet. But him and the rest of his Fulbright friends, 
they knew how to throw down. We all got together for an evening and they showed me where to eat, where to drink, where to party, where to cry, all those things because it's cheaper to live like a local. There was a bar that I went to there and I mean, if getting absolutely hammered is your thing, then this is the place to go. Lithuania, right? So because they have a very low GDP in Lithuania, I maybe spent $5 per meal, which is unheard of in most places, especially if you're going to touristy restaurants. Tourist trap restaurants, you'd be paying double that usually. We went to the bar. He knew of this bar. If you had a student ID on you, which I did, every drink was 70 cents. Even if you weren't a student, drinks were a dollar on Thursdays or Tuesdays, whatever. I think it was a Tuesday, actually. So for five euros, I got pissed drunk and partied. And I mean, I don't really do anything crazier than that. So all my friends were rolling up joints and stuff there. But, you know, I was just enjoying the ambiance and honestly just enjoying watching my friend dance and have a good time because he just becomes one with the moment. And really, that's what true tourism, in my opinion, should be about is living in the moment and being part of the moment. So wherever you go, you will spend less money trying to be a tourist. You will spend less money or trying, you'll spend less money trying to live like the locals. You'll spend less money doing what the locals do. You might even enjoy yourself more doing what the locals do. And yes, locals do go to museums, not as often as tourists do, but they go to the museums. They go to all these fairs and events and carnivals and festivals. They spend time in the random park that you're walking around. And you'll see that in the next two seasons when I talk about everything I did in those two years. <laughs> Couch surfing is the cheapest way to go. It might change for the worse because of COVID. Uh, because obviously pre-COVID, there were no restrictions. But now, uh, the art of couch surfing is dying out just because it's harder to regulate with COVID now. But back when I traveled, I crashed on many people's floors and couches. Sometimes I got lucky and they had you know, a spare room that I could sleep in. And that was always very nice as well. Um, couch surfing is... You list your couch to crash on. Doesn't mean you have to accept people because they list their couch, you list your couch. You find a place you want to go and you send a message blurb to them. And obviously, you know, you talk about hobbies and interests, but the idea is you're crashing on this person's couch and it's a culture exchange. Just like you would have a cultural day in primary school where you're learning about a different country or whatever for world history. <laughs> It's a culture exchange. So, you know, I made Pennsylvania-style chicken dumplings for one family when I couch surfed. Another time, I linked up with them because he was into esoteric meditation. And at that point in time, I was too. So we just talked and meditated the whole time when we were together. And he walked me places, showed me what to do. He was a local Latvian, and I was a foreigner in Latvia. So I met connections that way. I stayed somewhere in northern Finland after I'd spent time with my friend up there because, well, I could. And also, we both spoke Spanish. Me as a second language, him as a first language. 
and he likes pasta. I like pasta. So I bought a box of pasta and that was my payback for them letting me crash on the couch. Another girl was a Girl Scout in France and living in Sweden. I was an Eagle Scout with the Boy Scouts of America and visiting Sweden. I was in Stockholm, far away from where my cousin lived, so I, I needed a place to crash. So I bought her a bottle of wine and she cooked me dinner and I slept on a futon, you know, in, on, on her floor. And that's, that's couch surfing. And it sounds really risky and dangerous, but it's actually pretty much just as safe as staying in hostels because you're in a room with somebody you've never met before. And if you don't have a locking on your belongings, really, when you're not there or you're asleep, they could help themselves to whatever they want. But it's a trust system. It's an honor system. There's this ethic code of being in a hostel that, like, people will find out if you're the asshole in the hostel, especially because a lot of people that go in hostels will stay for at least a week. So they're there long enough to see people come and go and know who's shady and who's not. Hostels, you get to live sort of like the locals, and locals usually are the ones running them. So that's a unique experience as well. And the only hostel I went to where it wasn't locals that were running the hostel, it was a group of Ukrainians and Russians that moved to Cyprus for promise of a better life. And they ran the hostel and made a profit margin on it. And they'd been there for seven months apiece. One of them was there for... A month, two months, but, you know, each of them were there for six to seven months. So, um, no matter where you went, you were always, you know, experiencing, embracing something culturally, as long as you were in a hostel or a couch surfing. And obviously Airbnbs are a bit more pricey yet, but these are the three cheapest options to staying somewhere. As far as getting there, Obviously, you're all probably wondering about getting there, and I know that we're close to the 20-minute mark, and I promised I wouldn't drone on my sermons for too long, but obviously we have some more stuff to, to cover. So you stay in a cheap hostel or Airbnb, and even if you're in a hotel, talk to the people in the hotel. See what things they have done. You might just find a cheap deal, and even if it's not cheap, it might be one of the coolest things you've ever done. Like when I went to Bruges, Belgium, I found out about Bruges by talking to a guy in a bar after I got done practicing Aikido one night. Was it the cheapest thing? No, but it's definitely one of the coolest things I've ever done and seen in my entire life. So you talk to the people there, you talk to the people running the hostel, just ask them like, what's there to do around here? And then after do that, say, okay, okay, but what do the locals do to unwind? Where do the locals hang out? Where do the locals have fun? And if you're a tourist and you talk to the locals, now, now, typically, locals in most cultures won't talk to each other with no reason. They're not near as outgoing as Americans are in most places in the world in that regard. But if you make the initiative to talk to a local and they recognize you're not from there, you'll probably make a new friend. I made a lot of new friends just by chatting to random strangers in bars. And part of traveling somewhere else, of course, is overcoming that fear of stranger danger. Knowing when to back out, knowing what's not safe, knowing what where isn't safe, and not going there when it's not safe. I witnessed a bar fight in Poland. I was just sitting there trying to enjoy myself, and one of the guys was a amateur kickboxer on my tour group and decided that he was <clears throat> going to flirt with somebody else's girl, and um, they didn't really like that. Ended up spilling one guy's beer, and um, him and the other guy had black eyes, and I was just sitting there, 
And they looked at me and said, you, out. And they grabbed the back of my shirt and threw me out of the bar too. So you, you have to be aware of your surroundings. And when you're, when you're aware of your surroundings, you will discover new things. You will find unturned corners that you've never been to, never experienced, and probably would have never imagined experiencing. Just because you had this keen eye. And being curious definitely helps find cheaper places to eat. Use Google to your advantage. Look for cheap chicken near me or cheap vegetarian near me or whatever your diet preference is that night read menus like you'll probably have an hour or two to chill in your hostel before you do anything after you arrive somewhere be it in the morning evening or night so use those two hours to start scoping out places to go and things to do and if the locals tell you uh, actually don't go there it's kind of a dive it's kind of sus it's kind of sketchy then take their word for it and don't go I saved some skin doing that once, and then, yeah, obviously, in Poland, I did the opposite. We went off the beaten path because we had a very not-wise tour guide, unfortunately. And uh, we learned very quickly that you don't go to that specific corner of Warsaw at 10 o'clock at night or 11 o'clock at night, whatever time it was. Bad things will happen. So uh, we learned that the hard way very quickly. But still... Use your wit, use your surrounding. And getting there, and getting around there. What is the cheapest transport? It's usually always the public transport system. And like I said before, sometimes you can get away with not even paying for it, which is not ethical, but when's the next time you're going to be in Jönköping, Sweden? When's the next time that you're going to be in Budapest or Bratislava? Probably never unless you meet somebody who really wants to go there or you love it so so much you want to go back but you know it's a once in a lifetime thing so do it and if you get caught trying to get away with something that you should have paid for as long as you're not stealing because like you're not stealing on public transport you're just riding a bus somewhere and nobody's checking whether or not you paid play dumb playing dumb helps in so many situations. I got so many free drinks and free food items just because I pulled the dumb American card. Once again, is it ethical? No. Does it work? Absolutely. I got a free side of french fries in Sweden because, you know, in America, french fries are included with the meal. Here they weren't. I didn't know any better. So I said, oh, I thought the fries were included. Why is it being rung up separately? And they said, you know what? You don't know any better. I'll let you off this once. So I got free french fries. Playing stupid works, guys. Um, So, yeah, like I said, it's not ethical, but what can you do? And then, of course, doting back to getting there in general, wherever you go. You should always look on several websites. Always look for student discounts. That applies to everything. Or if you're a veteran, always look for military discounts. If you're a healthcare worker, Look for healthcare worker discounts. Those exist. There are some discounts I've seen for people who are clergymen. There are people that get discounts just because they work in social service, as long as they show their ID and prove it's a social service. Use whatever you do occupationally, be it student or otherwise, be it retired or not, and always play it to your strength. And if there's a discount for under 18, 
or under 21 and you physically look under that age, bring an old idea along. Use it to your advantage. Or, like, say, just, I, I forgot my idea in the hostel. I'm sorry. I'd, I'd like to lock it up. But take my word for it. I'm 17 when actually you're 26 and you look 17. I actually got in somewhere free once because of looking 17 and I was 24, but I have a baby face. So with hair and no facial hair, they thought I was 17. So that worked. Always use student discounts. Always use any discount you can find. Student Universe has cheap hotels flight deals for students. And then when you're not a student, Kayak, Hopper, those are good. Personally, I usually book everything on Google Flights. Now, obviously, the benefit to using something like Kayak or Hopper is they give you discounts after you book so much with them. So, for instance, if you use Hopper, and now that I'm advertising them, I should really try and get sponsored by them at some point in time because I use them for a lot of flights. Your first flight, you get, I think, 18% off of the flight tickets. Your first time booking a hotel, you get a certain percent off of that. You get cash back rewards, and you can use a percentage of your cash back rewards every time you book a subsequent flight. So if you're a frequent flyer like I was, it might not look like much saving $5, $10 per ticket, but it adds up very quickly. Otherwise, Google Flights. And you might have to travel on, at unorthodox periods of time, but try to look at it as an experience. You know, you might have a 10 hour layover somewhere go and rent a car. If they have public transport there, go and take an Uber or take a bus or take take a train and go into the city and hang out for six hours. I've done that before. Like when I was in, I forget where I was, but I was, I was um, oh yeah, that's right. I went out to Chicago and I had a 12 hour layover to get back home to England. I didn't waste any time before I was out in the city. I met a friend through a mutual friend and he was a Chicago native, so he showed me around the city and took professional photos, and I still have those photos and cherish them to this day, and, you know, next time I get out there, I owe the man a visit again. So there's always, there's always options for cheap and fun ways to do things. I will go into more specifics through every travel. At the beginning of every travel plan that I tell you about from here on out, because I booked all of them myself and had no outside assistance except for, you know, the bursary I got to stay the hell alive, everything I did, I learned through experience. So part of my lesson I learned from said travel will be what I learned along the way. So I'm going to spend the next two episodes breaking down exactly what it means to travel based on your personality type. And I'm also going to break down what it means to travel the way that I did. And I'll give you examples. And we'll look at the first trip that I took. And I will leave it at that for now. Because it's already been almost a half hour. So, stay tuned to... The fine details episodes. To this I add my beautiful silence.